Hello and welcome to a Tuesday, March 21st edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Haris Kermani, and today we get another six-game slate to back up what was a pretty fun one to start off the week there. And I am going solo on this one. Ramiz is still, unfortunately, out with a little bit of being under the weather, but that's all right. Allows us to jump right into what is going to be a pretty interesting slate with a lot of different ways to go. Uh, some potential blowout concern that is here with a lot of these uh, tanking teams being on the slate, but still lots of value for us to look into. And before we get into it, as always, get yourself onto sportsethos.com and get yourself subscribed to that DFS pass. So not only can you get access to our Discord to ask the pros, you get our live injury report, which is ever so important in this crunch time of the season, but you also get all of the amazing content that our writers and all of our different contributors are putting up on the site itself. So sportsethos.com, DFS pass. But let's get right into a six-game slate here. The first one being Washington Wizards going into Orlando to take on the Magic. A 225.5 game total for this one. The Magic favored to win by one. So looking at a potentially close one over here. As far as injuries are concerned, Washington is going to be missing Kyle Kuzma for this one. While Orlando is going to be without the services of Jalen Suggs, who's still dealing with his concussion symptoms. As far as value is concerned over here, really from a Washington perspective, not too, too much of a great interest to me, just purely based on the price tags that we are seeing here. I do have some interest in Porzingis as far as cash games are concerned, 8,900, not a bad price tag for a guy who has a four days worth of rest coming into this game at this moment has been playing pretty good ball throughout March so far with uh, three games 50 and above and really no real duds to speak of so his price tag sitting at just about that 8900 mark gives you a pretty solid floor he'll likely end up with somewhere between 45 to 50 on this game as well which of course not the same level of upside that we may be seeing with some of the other ones in the slate but still a solid pick altogether but if I am looking at a little bit of a dart throw Uh, It is Corey Kispert who continues to play high levels of minutes for this Washington Wizards team, anywhere between uh, 30 to 34 in four of the last five games there. And he is getting double-digit shot attempts as well. It's, you know, the lack of ancillary stats is always going to be a bit of a concern. So you're hoping for his shot to get going. But 4200 not too, too bad of a mitigating price tag to be able to deal with that as a decent GPP dart throw. On the Orlando side, it's very much the same kind of scenario here. Everyone is priced in a pretty, pretty good scenario, a pretty solid price for what could be good cash exposure. I'm probably looking at Wendell Carter Jr. from a cash side. 6,900 has continued to be rock solid since his return. Hasn't had a real dud of a game, nothing below 30 DK points in general. So he just continues to wheel away at what he's doing. Usually gets you that low end double double with a couple of uh, blocks and steals thrown in. So a pretty solid price of 6,900 for him to get somewhere between 35 to 40 DK points on what should be a decent matchup for him. As far as GPP concern and as far as who I think may have the greatest upside, it continues to be Franz Wagner, who's really rediscovered his offensive form in this month of March, has seen himself get his shot attempts back to really where we expected them to be pretty regularly throughout the season. But now 
starting to get into that mid-teens and even sometimes into the high teens to low 20s so that is really really awesome so all of that helps alongside the fact that he's also been averaging about four assists a game in this month of March alongside six rebounds. So lots to like with regards to his price tag. I expect that we'll start to see that continue to rise closer to 7,000. So take advantage of it while it lasts. Second game of the night, we have Detroit going into Atlanta to take on the Hawks, a 236 total for this one. And one of those first blowout concern games that I was alluding to earlier, the Atlanta Hawks favored to win this one by 14. As far as injuries are concerned, Detroit's got a couple of them dealing with here. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich continues to be out. Jalen Duran's going to be out. Isaiah Stewart is going to be out, while Isaiah Livers is also questionable for this game as well. So lots missing as far as the front court is concerned, which is going to be something of interest for us when we talk about that. On the Atlanta side of things, the big news is going to be DeJounte Murray, who is questionable for this game. It is a back-to-back, -back, so I wouldn't be totally surprised if Atlanta does choose to rest DeJounte for one of those two games. We'll have to see if this is the one that it happens to be, and I'll give a couple of suggestions with the assumption that he is, in fact, going to be sitting out for this game. As far as Detroit's concerned, really there's a couple of uh, mid-tier options over here that have been very solid for their price for the last little bit. I'm going to start with uh, Rodney Magruder, who continues to play heavy, heavy minutes on this really beat-up rotation as far as Detroit is concerned. Has played nothing less than 32 minutes in his last four games, has gotten anywhere between 13 to 15 shot attempts in that time, and has been sneakily good at being able to get rebounds and assists in that time, averaging about seven rebounds in that time alongside three assists. So it all adds up to what has been a pretty solid stretch for him. And his price tag has seen a little bit of a jump as a result of it. But given that he has given you games that could be 35, 45 DK points, with 30 being a pretty solid floor in this time, I think he's a very solid and reliable option. You can go ahead and continue to plug in until his price tag catches up. On the other hand, on the front court that we were talking about, James Wiseman continues to be a guy that I will like. I probably like him a little bit more than Marvin Bagley, just given the fact that Bagley's minutes are always up and down, while Wiseman has been that little bit more consistent on that, is also a little bit more of a rebounding force, if not purely a better offensive point scorer, as Marvin Bagley can show himself to be. But plain and simple, 6,400 for a guy who's going to be getting a double-double most nights at this moment is probably more of a cash play than a GPP one, but still a solid one at that. And I would say the same thing goes for Jaden Ivey as well. At his 7,000 price tag with Killian Hayes back, that takes away some of that GPP appeal, but he continues to be a solid cash play, and I'm going to be looking at him in that perspective. On the Atlanta side, though, with, again, going with that assumption that if DeJounte Murray is out, then that is a lot of offensive responsibility that is going to be doled out between the remaining rotation of that Hawks squad. And where I'm really looking for them to take advantage is in that duo of Bogdan Bogdanovich as well as John Collins, both of them sitting at 4,900 and 5,400 respectively. So very, very solid price tags for guys who are going to be heavily involved in the offense, likely getting high double-digit attempts as far as field goal attempts go. So both are in a position to be able to go ahead and be a very, very likable GPP play on this one. Uh, the minutes are have been a concern for Bogdanovich in general throughout the season. Pretty much sits around that uh, mid-20s mark, which hopefully he can beat out a little bit more. I mean, Sadiq Bey has been just absolutely terrible in the time that he has been uh, with the Atlanta Hawks so far, and he continues to play around those same minutes. And I have a feeling with Atlanta trying to make that push uh, to be able to at least solidify themselves either in a play-in or even make that push towards that sixth seed, 
they're going to need Bogdanovich to really get his shot going. So in a matchup where the Detroit defense is never anything to write home about, already beat up as far as their depth is concerned, Bogdanovich will be looking to take advantage here. And I think John Collins, who himself has been a little frustrated with his offensive role throughout the season, gets a little bit more leeway and a little bit more rope to kind of show his offensive repertoire in this kind of a game. So hopefully they'll both be able to play about 30 minutes in this game. It all duly just comes down to if Detroit can keep it even somewhat close. So more GPP than cash. Third game of the night is Cleveland going into Brooklyn, a 218 and a half total here with the Cleveland Cavaliers favored to win by three. As far as injuries are concerned, Jared Allen is questionable for this game with his eye. Uh, he has been out for about 10 days at this point now, so hopefully he can get himself back on the floor sooner rather than later for Cleveland's sake. While Brooklyn, really the regular rotation continues to be the case, a lot, except for the fact that Dorian Finney-Smith is listed as questionable for this one, so we're going to have to keep an eye out on his availability for this game. As far as value is concerned, I've kind of been avoiding much of Donovan Mitchell and Evan Mobley as of late. They just haven't been showing me the uh, the kind of upside in general. Mobley b has been a little bit more exposure in cash, just given the fact that he's probably a solid double-double, and his price tag sitting at that 7,700 mark is about where you'd expect for a guy to be able to get 5 to you know 5.5x on a semi-regular basis. So you can definitely go with him in cash, but I have been going with a lot more Darius Garland and Karis LeVert in both my cash and GPP games as of late. LeVert especially has really been stepping it up on the offensive end and more so than that his steal numbers are starting to get back to when he was kind of in his earlier prime in previous seasons. So we'll see if he continues to be a thief at this level. Not necessarily expecting that to stay the case but it still does give you a little bit more comfort with regards to his price tag at 5500 Likely coming off the bench but still super important as far as the team's offense is concerned. While Darius Garland I just He's kind of been a bit Jekyll and Hyde as of late, but he still flashes that upside on a semi-regular basis. Has been getting into the mid-40s for, I'd say, 60% of his last 10 games, which is a very solid spot to be able to get him in. And anytime his price tag falls below 70 or below 8,000 in a matchup that I expect to remain relatively close, I'm always looking at him with that little bit more of a microscope. So I'll probably have a good bit of Darius Garland exposure in this game. And the fact that I can usually slot him in into my shooting guard spot as a guy who's going to be one of the primary ball handlers always makes it that little bit more enticing for me. On the Brooklyn side, though, everyone is kind of in that price tag where, again, more cash than GPP play. Dinwiddie's just gotten a bit too expensive for my liking. 8500 is more than I'd like to pay for him, especially when I expect someone like a Darius Garland, who's $1,000 cheaper, to straight up outperform him, to be honest. That always takes away some of that shine. So not taking too much of Dinwiddie there. Uh, Mikhail Bridges does need a game to get himself back on the map uh, he's had two kind of eh games in matchups that i was expecting that he'd do better and especially that sacramento one so uh in this game here with it being closer we'll see how his shot attempts go a uh, 7800 is still a very solid floor for a guy who's going to be playing somewhere between 35 to 38 minutes especially if this is as the spread suggests a three-point game going down the stretch meaning he's going to be required as much as possible to try and supply that offense for brooklyn at home to get an ever important w for them Halfway through the slate, moving on to our second 
blowout game potential of the night. The San Antonio Spurs going into New Orleans to take on the Pelicans. A 232 game total for this one. The Pelicans favored to win by 13. So lots of concern as far as that's going in terms of game scripting and all of that. But it's good reason for it. San Antonio is just an absolute sea of red and they seem to be on a night in night out basis, a lottery in terms of who's actually going to be on the floor. For this one here, we know that Devin Vassell is out, Zach Collins is out, Jeremy Sohan is out, and uh, Chris ba Charles Bassey is also out for this game, while Devontae Graham and Trey Jones are both listed questionable for this one as well. And if there's uh, anything we know with regards to a lot of these guys being questionable, they're likely not going to find themselves on the floor. So we're going to see what that looks like there. While on the Pelican side, it's really all systems go outside of the regular Zion missing games. So on the Spurs side, really looking at who I am interested in here. Uh, first of all, I'll start with Keldon Johnson right up at the top over there. Uh, he is going to be shooting anywhere between 20 to 25 shots this game. We just we just know that that's going to be the case. He loves to be able to get as many shots up as possible. And in terms of kind of shots per minute, he's right up there in the top of the league whenever he gets there. So usage is not a concern. His efficiency can sometimes be, but if he's putting up that kind of volume at 7,400, he's going to be one of my favorite forward picks of the night there and at his small forward eligibility not too many other guys that I'm totally in love with on the slate so likely going to have a decent bit of exposure to him while Malachi Branham is likely going to be taking over the vast majority of point guard duties here now 5100 isn't the most exciting price tag for him because he's not the most it's a versatile offensive guy but he does go ahead and get a lot of shot attempts up which is kind of like a Devontae Graham sort of night over there. You're not going to necessarily get a lot of assists and a lot of rebounds from him, but if you can get a shot going, then you may be able to do well at his 5,100 price tag. I'm also going to be taping an eye out on Keita Bates-Diop if he is going to be uh, getting himself on the floor. We've seen when he gets anywhere between 25 to 30 minutes, he's been a very solid points per minute contributor. He usually is able to get into those uh, 30s as far as DK points are concerned. So with all of the other injuries there, definitely keeping a strong eye on him as one of my value picks on the night. While on the Pelican side, I've really been not liking these price tags. They've just been a situation where it's almost like the Chicago side of things where I feel like there's just not as much upside when you're looking at either of Ingram or CJ, especially when both of them are playing. They kind of eat into each other's uh, into each other's usage and into each other's upside. They'll probably both end up in or in around the 40 DK points, which is fine from a cash perspective, but doesn't give you that GPP upside. But Jonas Valanciunas, who has been really seeing his minutes go up in the last little bit for the Pelicans, he's back to his kind of dominating ways in the front court. They've been really seeing him eat up those rebounds, averaging over 20 and 20 and 12 in the last two games there. So not necessarily going to be you know the greatest night for him in terms of the fact that San Antonio is a bit smaller on the front court especially with everyone out there and we'll see if maybe that forces the Pelicans to change their rotation but for a guy who's been playing this well for the last couple of games and including matchups against other what would be considered you know small ball teams in um, in Houston and uh, in uh, Portland before that they still did a uh, not Portland, sorry, uh, Houston before that mostly. They'll be doing pretty well on that perspective, and I'll see what they uh, go ahead and do on this one. I'll have a little bit of exposure for him as my center for 6,600. 
Last two games of the night, we have Boston going into Sacramento, 238 and a half game total. Sacramento, the underdogs here, Boston favored to win by five. And I expect this to be a pretty exciting matchup and one that I'm actually looking forward to watching tonight. So Sacramento just continues to be my favorite league pass team and just continue to have an excellent season. So really rooting for them to do well here. As far as injuries are concerned, this is also a good sign. Really, uh, no major ones from both sides. Uh, Kevin Herter is the only one who is uh, still questionable for this one. He was initially listed as active for that Monday game and didn't end up playing. So we'll see if that ends up being a more positive return as far as Sacramento is concerned for him here. On the fantasy value side of things, though, Really, uh, with uh, Robert Williams also returning and the full rotation kind of being there, a lot of that upside is taken away from kind of the top end value of Tatum and Brown. I expect both of them will still be pretty popular cash plays, and especially if the game does stay close, I expect Jalen, who has been playing quite well for the last uh, last week and a half or so, is going to be a little bit more in play for his 9,000 price tag versus Tatum's 10.5. But it's that mid-tier that I continue to like a little bit more as far as Boston's concerned. Marcus Smart is just constantly my favorite guard to be able to take on the Celtics whenever I get an opportunity. A 5300 is always an excellent price tag for him just given the fact that he is going to be on De'Aaron Fox all night. Is going to be playing high, high minutes over here. Probably anywhere between 36 to 38 depending on how close Sacramento uh, and Boston keep it throughout the night. And we always know that Marcus Smart, even if he isn't an offensive stalwart, just finds ways to be able to contribute on the stat sheet in different ways and usually ends up in somewhere in the high 20s to low 30s as far as DK points are concerned. So he gives you kind of that cash and GPP comfort for that price tag being in the low 5,000s and he's going to be someone that I do end up targeting there with maybe a little bit of sprinkling of either uh, Brogdon or Derek White depending on how my lineups are working out just uh, just to be able to get a little bit of exposure to that late night hammer and also because they've shown both of them to have great offensive upside and even if it's you know a bit of a lottery on picking who's going to be the one to go off they usually still do pretty well for their price tags where they are now. Uh, speaking of guards, though, on the Sacramento side, De'Aaron Fox, who I was very happy to do quite well with him in that Utah matchup there, ended up dropping 57 in that one. While it is a back-to-back, -back, he's not the kind of guy to really uh, you know, deal with uh, too much of that concern over there. And for him to go ahead and be at 8,300 in what is going to be a good matchup, a fast-paced matchup, the highest total game or highest totals actually on this entire slate, is going to be someone that I end up targeting just to be able to look at that spend up. Now, the uh, the basically decision that you'll end up likely making is going to be between someone like a Darren Fox, a Darius Garland, and uh, maybe even a um, a uh, Calvin Johnson in terms of kind of that like mid price tag where it is that you're going to end up spending uh, your money out there. I'll probably end up rating it that I do still think that uh, Darius Garland is probably my favorite of those guards over there, and I'll likely put that little bit more exposure in on him, but De'Aaron Fox is going to like be my second option there, and I'll have a good bit of exposure to kind of have that hedge strategy there. While on the other hand, I do still like Malik Monk for his price tag. Uh, he's continued to be that gunner off uh, either off the bench or if he happens to start, depending on how things work. While he won't play that much more than 25 minutes on most nights, he is putting up double-digit three-point attempts on a pretty regular basis while just having double-digit shot attempts in general. So it's just, uh, again, you're relying on him to have a good scoring night for things to work out, but he has shown himself to be quite efficient and quite proficient at being able to put up kind of uh, loaded 
to mid-teens at the very least as far as points are concerned alongside a sprinkling of, of everything else which ends up working out pretty well for a price tag that really just needs you to get him somewhere close to 30 for it to be a good night for you last game of the night the Oklahoma City Thunder going into Los Angeles to take on the Clippers. This is also a 238.5 game total, so tied with that Boston-Sacramento one. And the Clippers favored to win by 6.5 over here. As far as injuries are concerned, you know we haven't had too, too many nights of this, but really, uh, outside of Norman Powell being out for what could be at least a week with his shoulder injury, uh, the Clippers are actually good to go, while OKC is also completely good to go with regards to their lineups there. Now... This is going to be where you have to make a few decisions over here. We've talked about a number of guards, and really the question is going to be, do you want to spend all the way up on someone like a Shea Gilgis-Alexander for 9800 Has had two very solid games against the Clippers. Obviously a bit of a revenge narrative that comes with that, and Shea has just been one of the most consistent performers in general. Like He's cash for me night in, night out. But it's whether that GPP upside is there, and that can happen when a game goes closer or when it is going to be kind of going down the stretch and he ends up playing those 37, 38 minutes, which is when those 60 DK point nights really come into play for him. So he's definitely heavily on my radar, and I'll likely be thinking about a couple of head strategies to try and get him in, especially if I do end up taking more of that value from those earlier games that we spoke about, those 5,000, 4,000 options there to be able to get a little bit more expensive exposure in this game, but we'll see how that ends up going. Beyond that, uh, other than Jalen Williams, who I've been taking kind of here and there, depending on what the matchup looks like, I'll probably not be taking him as much over here. Just in general, I kind of avoid uh, some of those forwards because they end up throwing either Kawhi or Paul George on them for more extended stretches, which already given the fact that he's a rookie, a little bit raw from the offensive perspective, it is going to be a bit of a uh, concerning risk for me to be able to go ahead and take that for someone priced up at 6,800. So I'll probably be mostly SGA, and we'll see what the rest of that looks like. On the Clipper side, very much in that same scenario as well. It all comes down to what I believe in as far as uh, Kawhi and Paul George are concerned. Now, with this being a, you know, not a necessarily a blowout in fact i think okc has been pretty pesky throughout i do think they'll keep this tight over there but what could be a scenario where if it gets to you know a double digit game kind of early in the fourth we might be seeing them with less minutes than we might otherwise expect and uh, surprisingly enough uh, paul george has actually struggled a bit against okc this year while Kawhi even hasn't played against them so it's really going to be their first big game against uh, against this Western Conference opponent, and we'll see how that ends up working out. So between the two, I will say that I do like Kawhi more. And going back to the guards perspective, Westbrook, who's sitting at 7,100, also playing against uh, his, his old team over there, and has finally seen his minutes kind of go back to some of that regular 30-plus that we've been seeing, other than uh, apart from those like mid-20s that he'd been getting for the last like week or week and a half, which was a bit concerning there. But 7,100 gives you a very solid... A solid floor to be able to work with because if he is going to be playing that 30 to 32 minutes which we're hoping that he will he's been showing his floor to be in that mid 30s with the upside to get into 40s and beyond so i do like him for his price tag again tier list probably lower than garland and probably about the same as uh, as darren fox but i'll uh, i'll likely have uh, you know a bit of decision making to do with that once we do get kind of closer to the slate and we know a little bit more about what the injuries are looking like there but that is going to be the majority of what we're looking at as far as the slates themselves are concerned. Jumping right into the Thrive Fantasy side of things, 
where of course your daily props is where you're looking at in terms of what is going to be exciting for you. And I'm going to go back to what I consider to be some of the uh, more solid options over here. So we were speaking about uh, Wendell Carter Jr. going up against uh, Orlando, uh, sorry, going up against Washington, uh, against a front court that will have a little bit more size, likely uh, opportunities for him to be a little bit more defensive in the paint. And it's a juicy opportunity here. If he can get two blocks in this game, that's 130 points that you can get added onto your side. So it's not you know, the most smash grab, go ahead and take it. But I do like the opportunity for him to be able to do that here with uh, Washington attacking that little bit more, both with their guards and with their uh, front court in there. And sticking with the front court side of things, I'm going to stick with JV having yet another solid night on the boards as well. Uh, 115 points for him to go above 11.5 rebounds in that matchup against San Antonio. It uh, doesn't need to necessarily play big minutes to be able to do that, and San Antonio doesn't have much size on the front court to be able to go ahead and handle it as well. So I expect that if he can play his regular allotment of you know even high 20s as far as minutes are concerned, he should be able to pass that rebounding total pretty safely there. But that is going to bring us to the end of this slate there. As always, you can catch me on Twitter at HAK underscore devil, where you can talk to me about your picks for the night, who you're liking as far as the guards are concerned, and what forward options are going to be there to kind of round out your lineup here, because we don't have that many that are all that jump off the page exciting, but maybe there could be that one that changes things around for you. Yet again, though, get yourself onto sportsethos.com, get yourself subscribed to that DFS pass, get yourself connected with our pros. But until then, we'll see you on the next one. Let's go ahead and kill some GPPs. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.